Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. Welcome to episode 21 of the Strange Catholics podcast. This week we'll cover some Catholic news. Our feature segment, we're going to talk about the solemnity of Jesus Christ, King of the universe. Terry and I will split up that segment. We're going to have a little discussion, kind of mini homilies almost, from what we'll be preaching this next weekend. Our saint spotlight is St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, the first U.S. citizen that was canonized. To start with opening prayer, we'll turn it over to Terry. Thank you, Phil. Good evening, brothers. Good evening, listeners. Pleasure to be with you one and all on this 21st, are we up to 21 already? 21 episode, 21st episode. All right. Oh, so, nice drink. Uh, there you go. Yes, yes. yes. I was 19, 19, though, when I was old enough to drink. Yeah, well, I, old I am. again, we're showing our age, so that's okay. All right, gentlemen, let's begin our show in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Great and heavenly Father, you who are our light, our hope, and our salvation, even through these times of darkness and times of sadness, you provide us that hope, that joy, and that guidance. We just pray that all those listening today will turn their hearts and their minds away from the cares and worries of the world and look to you, the light of salvation. We pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Robert. Thanks a lot for joining us, folks. We took a couple weeks off because of some scheduling difficulties, but we're back. So this is our post-election episode. We obviously have a new president-elect. At least that's where we're at right now. Obviously, there's some questions uh, about that a little bit, but currently we do have a new president-elect. So as we look at post-election numbers and the way Catholics voted, um, there's a couple of interesting articles out there in Catholic News. One of them was in, bring it up here real quick, was in the, uh, I believe it was the new, is it New America? I just had it. I always do this, don't I? Oh, the America, the Jesuit Review, which tends to be liberal. Okay, but they're just really kind of talking some uh, some uh, some of the voting numbers. So there's some interesting things in there. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. So you can go into and take a look at that. There's also a, a one from Gallup, which really broke down how people voted. And it was eight and 10 evangelicals voted for President Trump, so about 80%, quite a bit, but he's had a lot of support there. But let's talk specifically about Catholics. 
So in 2016, about 52% of Catholics, or let me go back here, 50% of Catholics voted for President Trump and 46% for uh, Secretary Clinton. Well, in this election, it uh, looked like about 52% voted for Biden. At least that's what the preliminary numbers are from Gallup. Voted for Biden and 47% from Trump. So there's been some uh, articles out there talking about how Catholics kind of kind of move more towards Joe Biden. I haven't seen a lot of issues why that is yet. A lot of polling on that yet. Um, you could probably link some of that to suburban women, which Biden was much more popular with. Just to give you an idea of how that factors in with previous Catholics who Joe Biden is a Catholic. Uh, back in 1960, President Kennedy, and Terry and I remember that administration, um, that he got 80% of the Catholic vote. So, um, so interesting. I mean, some of the big issues, obviously, um, that people would, would have not voted for President-elect uh, Biden were abortion and same-sex marriage. So those are two big ones out there that they usually don't support the liberals on. But I think this is going to continue to develop. So it's going to be interesting to see this as we go through the postmortem, post-election, to see why Catholics voted the way they did and get the numbers a little bit more specific and the issues of what really drove them. Was it uh, the potential chaos in Washington? Was it the... Um, they felt that... Uh, the COVID-19 and the way it was handled by the current administration wasn't handled correctly, or was it religious freedom and same-sex marriage and abortion that drove them to, to vote for uh, President Trump for re-election, or the economy, which is always the overarching one, for, I think, for all Americans, so it doesn't matter what your, what your religion is. So, so, that's, so that's what I have on that. Do you guys have any comments on that? Nothing no for comments. Me, Bob. Nope. <laughs> so somebody may have seen this uh, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito just gave uh, some comments to the Federalist Society here. I think it was in the last week. And and I think you should go out and, and, and see these. And it was sounding the alarm about religious freedom and how he felt religious freedom may be maybe under attack um, or religious liberty being threatened kind of in the current environment, basic legal freedoms, things like that. Also, he made some comments about houses of worship during COVID and how he wasn't trying to really, he's trying to walk a tightrope on this, but how, how houses of worship have been restricted during this COVID environment, which we've talked about on here many times. So I will also get that, uh, I found it here on CNA and I will get that to film. We'll get it in the show notes. But, but those links are out there, folks, and you should read them. Uh, they're very interesting articles, but to give you kind of where a conservative, and he's a fairly conservative Supreme Court justice, kind of views where things are going and where he sees that there are some issues and stuff like that, which I think could be enlightening for Catholics with some of the cases that may come in front of the Supreme Court in the near future. That's all I have really for the news right now, and I will push it over to Phil. Thanks, Bob. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we are going to talk about the great solemnity that we have coming up this weekend. So for those that are listening to this, hope 
we'll definitely have this episode out before this weekend comes up. But if you're listening to it in the future, just use it as a reflection to hear how Christ is speaking to you at the moment you're hearing it. So I'm not going to reread the readings, uh, but I will link to the readings for anyone that would like to read them. The One of the questions that I love to ask, especially in regards to this, is who are we allowing to be king in our lives? Who are we replacing in some instances that king in our lives? Who is that person that we make the greatest sacrifices for? Are we allowing Christ to reign in our workplace, in our country, in our world? This feast has been around for a while. It was moved in the late 60s. But this feast now is trying to encompass that overarching, that Jesus Christ is king of the whole universe. So the questions that I think we can all ponder is, where are the places where we're not allowing Christ to reign? Where are the places we're not allowing Jesus Christ to reign supreme as king? Both in our professional lives, in our personal lives, what are those blocks that we're putting that we're not allowing Christ to really take over and be reign supreme as king? Are we allowing the world to creep in in our leisure time? Leisure is good, but are we allowing it to creep in and take over? Are we allowing it in our professional lives where we're not letting Christ reign supreme? Are we just trying to keep Jesus at arm's length at the in the workplace? And I recognize that sometimes we can't overtly say it, but it's really in our actions, how we show our love for our coworkers, how we care for them, how we actually listen to them when they're bringing their concerns, their troubles to us. No matter what our place in the hierarchy is, if we're listening and we're being attentive, we don't even have to say anything. We don't have to have like the magic bullet to solve all their problems. But if we can be present and listen, that in and of itself is being Christ's presence for them. How are we allowing Christ to reign in our homes? In our ways, maybe if you're still raising children, how are we allowing Christ to reign over our children? What are some of the ways that we allow distractions of this world to kind of take a front seat sometimes? instead of really making sure that we're bringing home to our children who Jesus Christ is, how he reigns as king of our homes. Are we allowing Christ to reign as supreme in our marriage? Are there ways that we're blocking Christ out? We're keeping him at arm's length in regards to our finances, in regards to our communication. When we pray, maybe we pray, but we kind of keep our problems at arm's length. Are we allowing Christ to reign in our bedroom too? One of the things too, Phil, that um, I, and I absolutely agree with you. Um, where, where is it? I mean, I, and this has to be for anybody who believes in God. Where is God in your life? How does God rule in your life? Does he sit in the front seat driving the vehicle or, have we got them, you know, in the back storage container 
in the back of the vehicle. You know, where does God sit in your life? And and this is not to stand in condemnation of anybody. You know, it's different for everybody where they want God in their life. Uh, obviously, for the three of us here on this podcast, God rules in our life. God is the center of our life. Um, and I don't presume to speak, you know, for anybody, but given what our discussions have, the fruit from our discussions and what I've heard from the two of you, I can feel very confident in making that statement for the, for the group of us that are the podcast. For me, I have heard a lot of people lately expressing great despair the world is turning into a very dark, dismal place. We've got civil unrest. We've got a worldwide pandemic going on right now. There is, uh, depending upon how you feel about the election, you know, some people are very elated. Some people are very fearful. There is great doubt and despair in people's lives right now. We need to recognize that. However, there was another time in our history, when followers of Christ were despairing, that was on Good Friday. Satan had destroyed the king of the universe. They had put all of their hopes on this guy, Jesus Christ. And now he hangs on a cross and he is dead. All of their hopes are dashed against a rock. But what they don't realize is that great and glorious Sunday is just around the corner when Christ triumphs, Christ, the king of the universe, the one that we are either about to celebrate or depending upon when you're listening to this, have already celebrated, stands up and breaks through and becomes our joy, our resurrection, and our hope. So don't lose hope. Don't get crushed by despair. Remain hopeful because Christ, no matter what happens here on this earth, ladies and gentlemen, Christ is our hope, our joy, and he is king of the universe. And that's Kind of what I'm going to be uh, preaching about if you come to Sacred Heart Church in Sauk Rapids, in Minnesota. That's uh, kind of the message that I'll be giving to our congregation. Love it. And I love the little ad that you had in there too, Terry. Let's get everyone <laughs> down to Sacred Heart. They don't need to come to my parish. Um, so the one thing that I love that always comes back to me in my brain, I'm not going to be able to quote the scripture or the verse, but you know, we will face tribulations, we'll have trials, we will be persecuted for our faith, but take heed, rejoice, because Jesus Christ has overcome this world. Now, we don't see the full effects of it this side of the veil, but that's what we're all aiming towards. And no matter where we are on, you know, in our closeness to Jesus Christ, as Terry mentioned, you know, it's that continual review. How can we grow closer? How can we allow Christ to reign more supreme in our daily lives? 
in our weekly lives, in our, you know, when we look at the calendar, where does Christ fit in? Is he, are we just sandwiching him in on, you know, an hour and a half, an hour on Sunday, or do we really let him com- t- completely take over our entire week, our entire month, our entire year? Absolutely. And, and, you know, I will confess this to you guys. I'll, you know, I'll say this to our listeners, you know, uh, while I've always considered myself to be a good Catholic, I don't know that I have let Christ in that center position in my life, like I have in the past few years. And the fruit of that labor has really, for me, uh, been extraordinary. And the transfer transformative power of allowing Christ to take center reign, not only in my life, but in the life of my family, I think it's been incredible. Bob, what do you think? What can I add to that, huh? I mean, great comments. It sounds like I'm going to stiff you like you did to me in the first segment. <laughs> Beautiful. <You> know, <laughs> well, I mean, what's, I mean, what's it? What, what's it all about? It's got to be. It's got to be about something, right? It's got to be about a higher power. It's got to be something else, right? It's got to be something bigger than you. Okay. All right. So we need to put that at the center of our lives. We all know that. So. Right now, I'm kind of stuck in the Old Testament, so I look at things more through an Old Testament lens, which doesn't always, you know, lend to these some of these discussions about some of the things we're having about Jesus. But it's a precursor to that, right? It's still Yahweh. It's still God. And if you go and read Ezekiel and see the trials and tribulations that Ezekiel went through, and the and the the folks of Jerusalem, the Jerusalemites went through. You know, and the you know the devastation and the exile in Babylon and and all that other stuff. I mean, but at the end of the day, you know, Yahweh was still telling them that they were going to be restored and that Yahweh was the only sovereign king, right? So I think that's the what the message out of that for folks is: what idols, what false gods, what are those types of things that you're doing? that you are basically putting in front of the only sovereign God, which is Yahweh or Jesus Christ, right? You know, the Trinity. So I guess that's what my message is because I'm so stuck in the Old Testament right now. (laughs) But it's beautiful. Well said, Bob. Perfect point. Thank you. Awesome. That prophet's class is paying off for you, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I actually, uh, I, you know, I'm, and Charles doesn't listen to this podcast, I don't think. And if he's listening, we say hi uh, to Dr. Boberts. But uh, I, I, you know, I loved Matthew, but I, I appreciate the Old Testament a lot more than I do the New Testament. You know, I just in the reading and the studying and the historical part of it, for some reason, that's just me. Everybody's got their own Amen. opinions, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing I will wrap up with, and this is my final thought. I'll just add my two cents in here. And uh, this uh, comes from uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, uh, kind of as a caveat to my discussion on 
hope and joy. Uh, chapter four, verses four through nine, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. Your kindness should be known to all. The Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Then the God of peace will be with you. Oh, hey, hey, it's time for a break. So you can listen to a commercial from a guy who doesn't have a radio voice. Someday he'll call the guy with the radio voice to do the commercial. We'll be back right after this. And we're back. So we're back here. Uh, it's time to go to the Saint Spotlight. And Terry, as always, is well prepared and has great information on this week's Saint. Go ahead. All right. Thank you, Bob. This week we are profiling the first ever U.S. citizen to be canonized a saint, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Her feast day is November the 13th. She is the patron saint of hospital administrators, immigrants, and impossible causes. She was born Maria Francesca Cabrini on July 15th, 1850 in Sant'Angelo Lodigiano in the Lombard province of Lodi about 20 miles from Milan in the pleasant, fertile Lombardy Plain, then at that time a part of the Austrian Empire. She was the youngest of 13 children of farmers Agostino Cabrini and Stella Oldini. Only four of the 13 survived beyond adolescence. The home in which she was born was comfortable an attractive place for children with its flowering vines, its gardens, and its animals. But its serenity and security was strong in contrast with the confusion of the times. Italy had succeeded in throwing off the Austrian yoke and was moving towards unity. Augustino and his wife Stella were conservative people who took no part in the political upheavals that surrounded them at the time although some of their relatives were deeply concerned in the struggle, and one, Augustino de Prius, later became prime minister. Sturdy and pious, the Cabrinis were devoted to their home, their children, and their church. Signora Cabrini was 52 when Francesca was born, and the tiny baby only seemed so fragile at birth that she was carried immediately to the church for baptism at once. No one would have ventured to predict that at that time that she would not only survive, but live 67 extraordinarily active and productive years. Villagers and members of the family recalled later that before her birth, a flock of white doves circled around the house high above the highest point of the house, and when one of them dropped down to nest in the vines that covered the walls. Take it, take that for uh, for 
what you will, seems like a uh, dove of the Holy Spirit descending down upon the Cabrini house. During her childhood, she did visit her uncle, Don Luigi Oldini of Livagra, a priest who lived beside a swift canal. While there, little Francis made little boats of paper, dropped violets in them, and called the flowers missionaries and launched them to sail off to India and China. At the age of 13, Francesca was sent to private school kept by the Daughters of the Sacred Heart. She remained there for five years, taking the course that led to a teacher's certificate. At 18, Francesca passed her examinations and then applied for admission into the convent in the hope that she might someday be sent as a teacher to the Orient. When, on account of her health, her application was turned down, she resolved to devote her life to a life of lay service. At home, she shared wholeheartedly in the domestic tasks. Within the next few years, she had the sorrow of losing both of her parents. An ep epidemic of smallpox ran through the village, and she threw herself into nursing the stricken, and eventually she caught the disease herself, but her sister Rosa nursed her so skillfully that she recovered promptly with no disfigurement. Her oval face, with its large, expressive blue eyes, was beginning to show the beauty that in time became so striking. When Francis was 18, she applied for admission to the religious congregation of the Daughters of Sacred Heart, but was turned down again because of her poor health. Instead, a priest asked her to teach at the House of Providence Orphanage in a nearby village. She taught at the girls' school for six years and drew a community of women, women in to live the religious way of life. In 1877, she became Mother Cabrini after she finally made her vows and took the religious habit, also adding Xavier to her name in honor of St. Francis Xavier, the great missionary to the Orient. When the House of Providence Orphanage closed, her bishop asked her, along with six other women from her orphanage in Codeño, to found the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart to care for the poor in both schools and hospitals. Francis composed the rule and constitution for the Religious Institute. The sisters took in orphans and foundlings, opened a day school to help pay expenses, started classes in needlework, and sold their fine embroidery to earn a little bit more money. The Institute established seven homes and a free school and a nursery in its first five years. Its good works brought Cabrini to the attention of the now blessed Giovanni Scalbrini, Bishop of Piacenza, and Pope Leo XIII. Francis wanted to continue her mission to China but Pope Leo XIII urged her to go to the United States, a nation that was becoming flooded with Italian immigrants who needed her help. Not to the East, but to the West, was Pope Leo's advice to her. On March 31st, 1889, Francis arrived in New York City along with six other sisters 
ready to begin their new journey. However, right from the beginning, she encountered many disappointments and hardships. The house originally attended, intended for her new orphanage was no longer available. But Frances did not give up, even though the archbishop insisted she returned to Italy. After she refused, Archbishop Michael Corrigan found them housing with the convent of the Sisters of Charity. Francis then received permission to found an orphanage in what is now West Park, New York, and now known as St. Cabrini Home. Filled with a deep trust in God and endowed with a wonderful administrative ability, Francis founded 67 institutions including orphanages, schools, and hospitals within 35 years dedicated to caring for the poor, the uneducated, the sick, abandoned, and especially for the Italian immigrants. Her institutions were spread out in places all over the United States, including New York, Colorado, and Illinois. In the first few years, she traveled between New York, Nicaragua, and New Orleans, after having a dream in which she now saw Mary tending to the sick, lying in hospital bread, beds, Mother Cabrini started Columbus Hospital in New York City. After she founded the hospital, Mother Cabrini made trips back to Italy to organize more nuns to work in America. Between these trips, she and some sisters headed south to Argentina. The sisters went by way of Panama and then Lima, Peru. They made the journey by boat, train, mule, and on foot. In Seattle in 1909, Mother Cabrini took an oath of allegiance to, to the United States of America and became a citizen of our country. She was then 59 years old and was looking forward to a future of lessened activity possibly even to semi-retirement in the mother house at Cordeño. But for some of the years, the journeys to and from the Atlantic, or to and fro across the Atlantic, went on. Like a bird, she never settled long in one place. She was far away, uh, but her nuns always felt her presence, felt she understood their cares and their pains. Her modest nature had always kept her from assuming an attitude of authority. Indeed, she even deplored being referred to as the head of her order. During the last years, Mother Cabrini undoubtedly pushed her flagging energies to the limits of endurance. Coming back from a trip to the Pacific Coast in late fall of 1917, that is, she stopped in Chicago. Much Troubled now over the war and the new problems it brought, she suffered a reoccurrence of the malaria she contracted many years before. Then, while she and other nuns were making preparations for the children's Christmas party in the hospital, a sudden heart attack ended her life on earth within a very short few minutes. The date was December the 22nd, 1917, and she was 67 years old. The little nun had been the friend of three popes 
a foster mother to thousands of children for whom she had found means to provide shelter and food. She had created a flourishing order and established many institutions to serve human needs. Mother Cabrini was beatified on November 13, 1938 by Pope Pius XI and canonized on July 7, 1946 by Pope Pius XII. Her beatification miracle involved restoring the sight of a day-old baby who had been blinded by a 50% silver nitrate solution instead of the normal 1% solution in the child's eyes. The child named Peter Smith would later present, be present rather, at her beatification and he would go on to become a priest. Her canonization miracle involved the healing of a terminally ill member of her congregation. When she was canonized, an estimated 120,000 people filled Chicago's Soldier Field for a mass of thanksgiving. In 1950, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini was named the patron saint of immigrants. Mother Cabrini is also informally recognized as an as an effective intercessor for finding a parking space. As one priest explained, she lived in New York. She understands traffic. And that is just a high-level look at just an incredible saint, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. And I know, you know, we send the, uh, I send you the links that I used for references. I really invite all of our listeners, um, because of our time limitations here, we only have so much time to really profile a saint. There's a lot of information out there on these beautiful and wonderful people, and I really invite our listeners to to do a deep dive into that. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Well said, Terry. Yeah, beautiful saint and and a beautiful story, I think, that she has in coming here. Again, hitting lots of walls like she already had encountered. You know, she had that missionary heart, but people wouldn't take her. And then she comes here again, more obstacles, but overcomes them. Uh, a great heroine of immigrants, of those that especially were really kind of left aside. Um, and, and she has, there's some be- there's a beautiful shrine in Chicago and another one in Denver as well. Those two that I know about personally. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful saint. I don't know that it's, verified but it was noted that she was likely afraid of water but she obviously had to get over that if she made that many trans i mean all those trips in those in a ship at that time yeah obviously you have to get over some of that fear of water Uh, and just even going across the country at that time and everything else there would have been a lot of waterways that she would have had to cross as well so i just thought that was an interesting fact but a beautiful saint beautiful message I think she has for us today. So uh, thank you for highlighting her so well. I need parking in New York, which I'm only about a hundred and some miles away from 200 miles. I'll just remember that. She, well, even, even when you go to work tomorrow, if you're looking for a parking space, pray, pray to St. Francis Xavier Cabrini a great intercessor to find you a parking spot. 
I mean, I think it's a wonderful saint, but I'm just telling you, if I was a hospital administrator, I'm not sure I'd be happy about it because here's the stain of hospital administrators and lost causes. You know, I'd be like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. You know, just what I have to do with the other? St. <laughs> Francis Xavier Cabrini. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. Yes. We've come to an end of another podcast, number 21, our huge post election special. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us today, wherever you're listening to us from across the entire world. So let your friends know that they can listen to us because this is a high quality podcast and they can find us on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever high quality podcasts are listened to. And make sure you rate us. Five stars is the minimum. If you can go higher than that, please do. But I'm not sure you can. Can you go to six, seven, eight? No, no, that's not a thing. But just, just keep going. How about send me a comment, folks? Send me a comment this week. Tell me how much you love our podcast. Or tell me if you don't like our podcast. And please tell me why. Because then we can talk about it. And, and we can deal with it on next week's podcast. So, uh, Phil, why don't you tell them about some of the other stuff? that they can partake of. So all those comments you want to send to Bob, send them to strangecatholicspod at gmail.com, or you could leave us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash strangecatholics. Thanks, Bob. Okay. So as we close this week's podcast, uh, we're going to pray for some folks, and and uh, we want everybody to pray with us now. As we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you for another glorious day. A day to gather in your name, to, to speak about you, and speak to you, and be in fellowship with my brothers, and with our entire podcast community, which is the really the entire world, Lord. Today we want to lift up some folks in prayer, those who are pregnant or trying to become pregnant, those who suffer from mental illness and any mental issue, those suffering from marital issues, those who have orthopedic issues. Maybe they've broken their leg. Maybe they've sprained their ankle. Any orthopedic issues, they're going to have a surgery. And those with COVID-19, as we know, COVID-19 is, is ravaging the world, but especially ravaging the United States right now. Those with COVID-19, and especially a shout out to our brother, Deacon Charles Bobritz, who, who has COVID-19, and that, that he gets through that. So be with those be with those people, God, and to comfort them, to walk them through their trials and tribulations and be with them through all of these things. We ask this through your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. And I will. Thanks a lot for joining the podcast. We look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day, and may God bless you.